oh, I just, you know, I just hasn't come together yet. I haven't got my message. I haven't got my testimony yet. And she texted me this morning. She said, it's here. It's here. So, hallelujah. Joyce hears from God. Guys, Joyce hears from God. Joyce also has um, just the biggest heart. She's someone that, you know, she, if you think Jesus, she's a bit, she's a bit close to that. <laughs> and I think we'd all agree, wouldn't we? <laughs> so we are really privileged to have Joyce share with us today. Um, and Joyce, I just want to pray for you. Is that all right? Yeah, God, we thank you for, um, for Joyce, God. And we just pray now that you would fill her with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we, um, we want to come with open hearts and open minds and open hands to receive your word. And God, I just pray that you would speak here. I pray that you'd speak from the youngest to the oldest, God. Yeah, we want to be shaped by you and you alone, Jesus. So come. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning to everyone. It's really nice to see you all. We've missed meeting together. And it's so nice to just see each other face to face. And also to have my friends, Varsha and Anne, <laughs> that I've known them since I first moved to, to Coringham in a mums and toddlers group when Grace was only two years old, Grace, Vanita and Emma. <laughs> so they've known each other for so long and it's a blessing to be here. And when, when Charles asked me to share a couple of weeks ago, I said, okay, yeah, I will pray about it because that's what you say. But immediately I was like, yeah, of course I'm going to do it. But then when I was praying about it, my thoughts were all going on the same subject. And who knows me, especially Charles, I talk a lot about faith. And I had so, so many things were, were coming to my heart about faith. And my struggle was like, oh, I can't talk about faith again. You know, every time I talk on a Sunday, when, when it happens, the few times it happens, I always go back to faith. But faith is what keeps us going, isn't it? Faith, we can't approach God without faith. And this life we know is imperfect. You know, we, we go through, you know, difficult times. You know, sometimes the, David in the Bible calls it even the, the valley or the shadow of death. You know, it's not, it's not death, it's life, but it's like the shadow of death. It's so bad, it's so bad. But there is that faith in us that keeps us going. And I heard recently about, uh, a lady was talking about some, some ponds in Texas. And you know, in Texas, sometimes there are these terrible droughts. And there were all these properties that had man-made ponds. And then the, her neighbor, you know, had a pond, a large pond, and uh, they often went fishing there. But then this drought came, and then all the other ponds dried up except hers. And it was, you know, what's going on? The, the rain wasn't falling on her property. You know, the atmosphere was the same. The problems were the same. The, the, the skies were closed for all the neighbors. But this lady had water in her pond. The water had gone slightly down, but there was still water. And so this neighbor asked, but how is it that you, you have water in your pond and all the other neighbors don't? And the difference was that all the other neighbors had man-made ponds, while this woman had a pond that it was a spring-fed pond. So there was water underneath that kept bubbling over. So no matter the atmosphere around those properties, she always had water. And I thought about us with our life. How many times have we walked in a drought? How many times, you know, it hasn't rained? How many times can we say that life 
has you know been difficult but still we have been going on because there is that river of water inside of us and you know i know when at times uh, occasionally not a lot not always <laughs> but i've touched down the pit you know i feel sometimes i've touched hell with a finger but i could still wake up in the morning with a song and where did that song come from you know it doesn't come from the circumstances the circumstances don't allow us to sing but it's that water that that river that water that jesus said that if you believe in me you'll have this water that will never end so today we're going to talk about faith and i really pray that when we my prayer has been that when we that our faith will be stirred and we need we need our faith to be stirred and uh, um faith has always been a topic in my life and I remember uh, as a child, I was reading, like in primary school, I was reading all these books about missionaries that were called into the world and they were doing mighty things. And I remember one day to, uh, reading about this missionary. He had been called to go and, and serve God somewhere really far. But he didn't have money for a ticket, for a plane ticket. But in his heart, this is like the miracles that God does. God said to him, just go to the airport and then something will happen, you will get a ticket. And I remember I was 11, 12, and that story really stuck in me because this man went to the airport and he was in this queue and suddenly somebody came to him with a ticket and his name. And, and I thought, wow, now this is amazing. And you know, I am much older, more than four times, <laughs> 12 years old. And I still remember, and recently something similar happened. And I was saying, God, if, if you did that for him, you know, you can do this for us as well. But you know, recently we went to Albania, to, where did we go? To Italy. And Eddie really worked hard to get all our documents together. Like, he really spent hours. So just know that if you want to go abroad, it will take you hours to get all your documents and papers and COVID tests. You know, it, it's amazing. So Eddie really spent a lot, and I was really grateful. And then on the evening before leaving, Eddie said, okay, Joyce, the only thing we have now is that you need to print your COVID passport. And I said, oh, fine, no problem. So just go on your COVID app, on your NHS app, and, uh, download and, and print it. Good, good, I go. So I got my phone, and what I didn't <laughs> realize, now this is a shame on me, I only had the NHS COVID app, so where the track and trace one, I have never downloaded the normal app where, w from where you get your passport. So I said, oh, it is not working. And he looked at it. I said, Joyce, this is not the right one. You know, have you got, you have to go on the NHS app. And I said, well, this is what I have. I said, no, it's not this one. We looked at it. And of course, I hadn't downloaded it so I started downloading it downloading it and he said well done you know good result I like you downloaded your pa your COVID passport will come in five days and it's like no <laughs> like this is like we're leaving tomorrow and Eddie was saying Joyce I don't think you can come and then come to Italy and then I said yeah oh no you know <laughs> <laughs> And I was secretly happy to be on my own at home for seven days. <laughs> now, so, so I looked into it. I said, no, of course I can, I can travel. I would only have to self-isolate for five days in Italy, and, you know, not, which would have been a shame, not going to Venice and all the nice places. 
So anyway, but then my faith <laughs> rose. I said, God. And I told the guys, God, I read this story when I was your age. And, you know, God can still do it. God, if he did it for him, you know, he can do it for us. And so all the time we were checking, like for a miracle, like for this passport to appear. And then nothing happened. And then went to bed, got up in the morning. Yes, now it's going to be there. And he wasn't there. <laughs> And then we were really, oh Lord, you know, I, oh my goodness, I really spoiled it. Like I felt even guilty for Eddie because he had worked so hard on it. And then we were in the car, we get to the airport, and what happens? <laughs> I was in the queue, in the queue, and I checked my phone and it came. <laughs> and it came there. And, you know, it, it's a mixed story of, of failure. <laughs> I should have downloaded <laughs> that app. But God's amazing love, you know. And, there is faith. I mean, in the girls really loved it. <laughs> it was a good story for them. And after like nearly like more than 40, 40 years, you know, this little story came to pass in my life. But there, you know, God stirs our faith a lot. Now, my, the title of today's talk is What's Your Multitude Today? What's your multitude today? <laughs> and you will come <laughs> to, to understand this more towards the end. Now, uh, Charles talked about being hungry. Uh, so I hope you're hungry because today we're talking about Jesus feeds the 5,000. Okay, so <laughs> we are in, in theme. So my read is going to be taken from Luke chapter 9, from verse 1. Now, this is a story of the multiplication of the five loaves and two breads. Now, we will read the story now. But I just want to say that, again, when I was 12, God spoke to me with this, uh, um, with this uh, piece of scripture. I don't know why I keep, when I was preparing, I kept going back to my childhood. But I think it's an encouragement that we need to bring our children up in the faith. Because what they hear in church, what they hear at home, what they read in the Bible is something that will be like a seed and will bring life. And today... I'm going to, to share this scripture with fresh eyes, with what I believe God has put in my heart. But I just want to share rapidly how God spoke to me with this scripture when I was 12. I had just come back from a summer camp, and my dad, uh, my dad who's a, who was the pastor of our church, said, Joyce, all the musicians have gone on holiday because it was summer. Could you play on Sunday? And at the time, yeah, I had started playing the piano when I was nine, but I didn't know any songs from church. So I said, oh, but I don't know anything. You know, I don't know any songs. And he said, well, go and look. Go and look in the hymn book and see if there's anything that you can find, that you can play. So I did. I went and, get, and got the, the hymn book. And then I found some songs that were very, hymns that were very simple, all in C major, whoever plays the piano or music, the C and D, E minor, <laughs> so they really say, and then I started practicing, I said, yeah, okay, I, I, will, I will do it, and I started practicing, practicing. I, I practiced three hymns, and then I uh, shared them, I played on, in church on Sunday, and, uh, and it was a very old-fashioned harmonium, it's called, it's like a piano, organ with the pedals, 
So when you play, you have to <laughs> you have to press the pedals, and that's how I played. But that was a lesson. Your God really spoke to me with this story. You have to give everything that you have. You know the C, C major, you know D major, you know E minor. Give that to God, you know, and then God honor that. And of course now, uh, if I just play C and D and E minor, that wouldn't be my best because I know better than that. Uh, but that, for 12 years old, that was my best. And this was the first time that this story really spoke to my heart. So now I want to read it with my new eyes. <laughs> my 50-year-old <laughs> eyes. Okay, so Luke chapter 9. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing uh, for, for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave th that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. Then from verse 10, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, he replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. Amen. Okay, so here in this story, we see that Jesus calls the disciples. He calls them and he wants to send them to preach the gospel, to preach the good news. And he gives them power and authority. So he calls them first and he just doesn't send them. Okay, go and heal. Go and cast out demons. Go and preach the kingdom. No, he gives them power and he gives them authority. And uh, it's interesting, he says, uh, for, our, for the British culture, Maybe it sounds a bit strange when Jesus said, take nothing with you. Um, like no food, no, no tunic, no, no drinks, no bag, nothing. But in that culture, um, yeah, people would have looked after the disciples. And I experienced this when I lived in Albania a few, few years back. And it was interesting because when we went from home to home to, to, to preach the gospel, people would actually invite us in. You know, and he would, they would say, just come in, and they would give us fruit uh, and give us crisps and peanuts. <laughs> this is all the drinks and orange. And if you, if you were a man, they would give you even some raki. You know raki? The, like grappa, 
uh, the, the alcoholic drink. Yeah, and yeah, in fact, we had one of our missionaries, a Norwegian guy, that he actually started having a problem because every time he went to preach the gospel, he came, went home drunk. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he thought he was unpolite because if you know the Eastern culture, you know, people just give everything to you. And to say no is like, oh, you know, you're not appreciating the culture. So he was having a little racket here, a little racket there. <laughs> And he was going home, like, really full of the Holy Spirit, but not. <laughs> Until someone actually, it was a different spirit. <laughs> he was, he was, until someone actually said, listen, you, you know, you can actually put your hand on the glass. You know, there are different ways, you know, for you not to say yes. But this is, you know, this, these are the disciples just going out for it. You know, they are given authority and power, and they are going... And they are having an amazing time. God is using them. And then they come back. And they come back. They come back to Jesus. Yeah, they come back to Jesus. And uh, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. So they come back with amazing news. You know, we have cast out demons. And we have healed the sick. And we have preached about the kingdom of God. They're really all super excited. But also tired. Okay, if you, when you're in ministry or when you do all these journeys, you do get tired. You know, we, we, even, even in church after a Sunday, if we have done something or given something, you go home and oh, like something has come out of you, you're really tired. And in, um, in uh, uh, Mark, uh, Mark we have, like we have the three synoptic gospels that like Matthew, Mark, and uh, Luke, and they often tell the same stories, but in different ways. And I'm going to go back today to Mark a few times. So when, when the disciples reported to Jesus all these amazing things, Jesus saw that they were tired, and then he said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So the, this, this is the first thing I want to say, how amazing that sometimes when we are exhausted and tired, whether it's physically tired or spiritually tired, emotionally tired, it's fine to rest. Like Jesus doesn't say, you know, Jesus is, you know, the almighty God. But he doesn't go, come on, you know, get your ass together, act together, come on. You know, he just says, okay, you know, come with me. But the interesting thing is that in both Gospels, it's about come with me. In, uh, in Luke, it says they withdrew by themselves. In, the sec in Mark, it says, come with me. The important, important thing is that when we take this time of rest, we are not taking rest from Jesus. Okay? We can take rest maybe from work. We can take rest from family. We can take rest from uh, maybe from hobbies or work, whatever, whatever it looks like, but never, never from Jesus. We need this intimacy. If we want to be regenerated, it's not about stopping our prayer life because we are too tired, you know, and I find this, you know, that's an encouragement, you know, for me, when I'm exhausted, sometimes we hear each other, when we work together, we say, I'm exhausted, or at the end of a half term, like somebody has heard me say, I'm exhausted, and it's fine, you know, to take a rest, but never, never from Jesus, and Jesus wants to be with, with us, he wants, come, you're tired, come with me. You know, and I think that's an amazing thing. This is a Jesus that we have. It's not a Jesus that we find in a manger. You know, we're approaching Christmas, so we always see this baby Jesus that is just there in a manger. No, it's a Jesus that walk, walk the earth, and he's in heaven now, and he's here. And he wants to, to just give us this, this time and this rest. 
So then we, we carry on reading. The crowds learned about it, you know, learned that Jesus was with his disciples and followed him. Now we're talking about crowds, we're talking about a multitude of people, like a large number of people. He welcomed them. Now, in Mark 6, we read, when Jesus, landed, uh, when Jesus landed and saw a large multitude, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So we have now like these thousands of people. We read that there were 5,000 men, but actually scholars say it was about 15,000 because of the men and the women. And Jesus sees these people and he welcomed them. He sees this large crowd. He sees this multitude of people. It's an amazing experience. They've all come to listen to Jesus. And, and it, it's, you know, he sees, he has compassion, and he starts talking to them. And he spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. And now we come to the crunch. Okay, My, I'll just repeat the title. It's going to be, what, What's Your Multitude Today? And, and we'll, get, we'll get to this now. Late in the afternoon, and we are talking now that few days had passed that these people had been following Jesus. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to Jesus and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. But Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Now we can we just can we can just understand the 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 challenge here. Now the disciples had just seen huge miracles in their lives because they had been casting out demons, they had been healing the sick. You know, they had seen the kingdom of God coming on earth. They saw something amazing. But they were facing with a new challenge. And I think this really speaks to my heart that no matter what good reports we have to say about God, we will face new challenges. Yeah, we, we might have learned our lesson, you know, we might have done something amazing. We come out, Charles, this happened, you know, and then God did this. We are sharing our testimony. We meet on a Tuesday, but we will come across new challenges. And for the disciples, this was a new lesson. They hadn't seen God's glory manifest in this way. Now, Jesus had welcomed them, but the disciples were saying, okay, let's send them away. And it's interesting, this, you know, and it's so us sometimes, like when we say, you know, God, bring people or do something amazing, and then it's just we don't know what to do with it, and we send them back, you know. We, we, we want the multitude, but then we wish it away. And uh, I know the God started speaking to, to, well, to me um, in the summer, and then, you know, as a team, we, we confirmed this. We had a, a, um, a summer camp with the school, and we had a certain amount of students that we were going to, al to allow to come with us. With this number, we would have had enough volunteers and enough cars to take them on a trip to South End. What happened was that we, we got an extra student. And it, was, it just all happened. We would have said no at the beginning, but it just all happened. Somebody has said uh, they will come, then they cancel, so we said yes to somebody else. But then, anyway, we ended up with an extra student. And we thought, okay, what are we going to do? <laughs> and uh, so we were sure, I was sure, I take responsibility, that 
the students wouldn't the students we had on a Monday for the whole week wouldn't actually carry on every day I was sure somebody would drop out my big faith <laughs> I was like yeah I'm sure I'm sure we'll be fine on Friday to go to South End because somebody will drop out you know and hold and behold how do you say lo and behold <laughs> the course was so successful that nobody was dropping out <laughs> and so but what happened also that some volunteers couldn't make it anymore and yeah we, we found ourselves that we we had an extra student and and we, we were in need of two volunteers and so honestly I cried that time <laughs> because I said God we can't send anybody anybody away you know and it's like choosing your favorite child in my home we always talk about who's the favorite child <laughs> they always think someone is a favorite child and it, we felt the same with 13 students you know who's our favorite who shall we send away who's not our favorite you know whose parents shall we shall we say and up to Thursday like we were in this predicament but then we, we really claimed this word. We prayed in the morning, we claimed as a team, we claimed this word that we won't send anyone away. You know, God, you have sent these guys, we are not going to send anyone away. So we, we wrote a message to our prayer group, our school's prayer. And the amazing thing is that God works, you know, we are the body of Christ, aren't we? It's not like God just talks to me or just talks to Charles or just talks to John. You know, he talks to us as a body. So what had happened that week was that um, Jane, and you know, she's, she's happy I share this, <laughs> she, she was doing her devotions and she read something on a devotion about giving her day to Jesus. You know, like, use your day, what can you do for Christ? What can you do for Jesus today? And that word really challenged her. And she, you know, and she was pondering about it. And then she, normally Jane looks after her grandchildren on a Friday. But then she received a call. She was told that she, you know, there was no need for her to go. So when I sent this message, Jane really felt in her heart, oh, this is God. <laughs> you know, this is what God was saying. So Jane immediately uh, said yes in her heart. She told John. John said, I'll come too. And so we had the two volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> We had the two, and they were amazing. I don't know how, especially Jane. I was, she memorized all the names of the students in, I don't know, not, we didn't even introduce the names. And she just knew, oh, yes, and so, and so, and so, and so. It was amazing. And then with the extra student, if you're wondering what happened to, the, to them, well, <laughs> yeah, a parent called in the morning, texted us, and saying, I'm really sorry, but my daughter won't be able to come on Friday on the trip because she's going out with her school friends. They haven't seen each other since the, was all, all, you know, for the, all the summer. And so she would really like to go out with her friends. And we were like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. But that was such a lesson, you know, when God speaks to your heart, you know, we are not sending anybody away. And you know, like sometimes in our own strength, we will try to find a solution. And the solution for these guys, come on, we can't even judge, judge them. <laughs> you know, what do you do with the 15,000 people? Um, can you imagine? But also the fact that can you imagine 15 people just going down the hill and going to the shops? Now, even when you think of that, you know, how would have that happen? Like this situation was out of control. There was no way these, these people could get food. But also, um, we have 
Jesus said, he replied, you give them something to eat. In Mark, we read, how, uh, Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. And they answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. Now, I find this, like, I've never spent time, like, thinking of this phrase. I think it's a bit, maybe, um, rhetorical. But at the same time, have you ever cooked for house church? Yeah? I mean, my maximum has been 25 people. And I've had so many bags on the floor <laughs> for 25 people. Now, Sally, if you, have you ever been to Sally's to cook for Encounter? Yeah? Have you seen her little room in the back covered with, with bags? I have, you know, so some time ago. Like her floor was just covered in bags. Now we're talking about maybe 50, 60 people. Can you imagine going to the town and buying for 15,000 people? <laughs> and how much was that going to cost? Yeah, in, in the uh, Gospel of Mark it says it would have cost six months of wages. Now, we are in front of a multitude, okay? And here I'm going to come to the crunch of, um, of my message that I think God wants to say. What is our multitude today? When there is a multitude, there is a miracle, okay? When, and I just really want us to remember this. When there is a multitude, there is a miracle. There was no way that these people could have been fed, neither by the people going down to the village nor by the disciples, 12 disciples going to get the food for everyone. It was an impossible situation. Okay. But Jesus knew what he wanted. Jesus did the miracle, but he invited the disciples, what have you got? Go and look. What have you got? Now, we, in the Bible, we see a few examples of this. We see Moses in front of the Red Sea. He was in, in front of a sea that was closed. And the people of Israel had to cross it. What did Moses have? A stick, a staff. Yeah, that's what he had. What did David have when he had the giant in front of him? Stones, five stones, and one stone was enough. Now, what do we have today? What do we have today? How little it is, it doesn't matter. This is what we have to give to Jesus. And let's get excited when we have the impossible in front of us. Like these days, I've just been praying. And even yesterday, Amy was asking me, Mama, are you ready? No, I'm just praying for the people in church. <laughs> have you got your notes together? Yeah, just pray for everyone. You know, it's just what is our multitude today? You know, what is the impossible thing? Let's be, let's be encouraged that Jesus knows that there are things that are impossible to solve. Nobody could kill that, that Goliath, uh, not even with the armor or with the sword. You know, nobody could. How do you, open, how do you escape from a, from a sea? <laughs> you know, how do you open a sea? It's impossible. But let's be encouraged today that our impossible, you know, our multitude, whatever this multitude looks like, there is a miracle. And uh, so they brought these two, five loaves and two fish. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. And taking the fish, the fish, the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. I don't know, last time I spoke, I know this recording wasn't great, but one of the points I made was about, my main message was to look up above the, the circumstances. So if, like, these are my circumstances, to just not look at them like that, but just to look slightly above. 
you know, above our circumstances, and we see God. Today, I want to say, let's put our circumstances on our hands, our emoji, whatever we have. Just let's put it. Let's everything we have. Let's give it to God. Let's look up to heaven and give thanks. Let's give thanks for what we have, and God will multiply it. And what happens? Jesus gets the bread. And he starts breaking it and breaking it and breaking it. And there was some for you, 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 and some for you. It just kept going and going and going. And they all ate. Mark says that even the disciples ate. You know, the disciples who were hungry and tired, they also ate. And they were satisfied. And you know, in, in any culture, we love eating. I mean, even in England, <laughs> we love eating. And can you imagine after a roast dinner, how do you all feel? Ah, oh, you know, satisfied. You know, like you recline. And we, we, ju we can just imagine these people on the grass, you know, because they, were, they would have been sitting on the grass, fully satisfied, you know, from going from nothing because they had been with Jesus for, for so many days, to be reclining there on the grass, fully satisfied. And this is what Jesus does. He doesn't just provide for our needs. He also, make, he also provides in abundance. There are leftovers. And the disciples had a lesson that 12 baskets full were left over. Today, I, I want to leave to, to conclude with a little story that really spoke to my heart. What, what Jesus did in those days, he's doing it again. You know, He's doing it in our lives, and we want him to do it again. We want to do it again. In 1940, there was a professor called Professor Orr, and he took a, a group of college students um, from, a, from a theological Bible school to visit different places where uh, people had been serving God and had been, you know, the, they were important places. And uh, he took these uh, students to the house of John Wesley. This was 1940. Now, John Wesley, if, uh, for who doesn't know, he was a great reformer, one of the greatest reformers. And, uh, you know, most of the things that we believe now or we know are thanks to him. And there was a mighty revival. And they went to visit his house. So there was this professor and his students, and they went into the kitchen. And the professor said, OK, this is where uh, John Wesley had lunch. You know, this is the table. This is the chair. This is where he cooked. And then they moved on to the living room. This is where he would have sat down on the sofa. And, and then they went to the study and said, OK, this is the study. This is where look at all the manuscripts. And you can see the original manuscripts here. And, you know, there were notes, there were paper, there were books. And it, it was, uh, like, really interesting. And then they walked up to the bedroom. And through the bedroom, you could see by the bed, there were two imprints at the bottom of the bed. And uh, one of the students said, what are those? And he said, well, John Wesley, when he got up in the morning, he didn't spend five... That's where John, we uh, John Wesley spent time in prayer. He didn't spend only five minutes or ten minutes or one hour. He spent hours and hours of, of, of uh, time in prayer, praying for revival, revival in England, revival in America, revival you know, all over the world. And because he spent so long 
on the floor by his bed, the floor got the shape of his knees. You know, he got the imprints of his knees. Uh, and they were really, yeah, amazed. <laughs> so then the professor said, okay, now let's go back to the bus. Uh, the tour was over, they went to the bus, and then the professor started counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, oh, one is missing. Someone's missing. So he goes back to the house, and he goes to the kitchen. No one was there. He goes to the living room. No one was there. He goes to the study. No one was there. He goes up to the bedroom, and through the door, he sees someone bent on his knees, and he was saying, he was praying, do it again, do it again, and do it with me. And that's, that, that was when Billy Graham got up on his feet and went back to the bus, and he did it again. And I really pray that we go back on our knees. I need to go back on my knees. I really need to go back on my knees, and we'll see this, you know, that God will do it again. And I will, if you can stand up, and we'll just pray. Lord, we thank you for what we have, Lord, because what we have is enough, because you are going to multiply it, Lord. Lord, our financial resources are enough, because you are going to multiply that. Your health is enough, because God is going to multiply it. Your skills are enough because you're going to multiply it. Your working skills are enough. Your intelligence, your hope is enough because God will multiply it. Your love is enough because he will multiply it. Your patience is enough because he will multiply it. Your friends are enough because God will multiply them. Your leadership skills are enough because you will multiply. And your sleep is enough because God will multiply it. Lord, we pray for each one of us today. Lord, whatever multitude we are facing, Lord, this is, this is a metaphor of whatever we are facing, something that is impossible, something that is too big for us. And Lord, the disciples tried their hard to solve it. They had seen your hand. They had seen miracles. But in this circumstance, they were trying to, to find solutions. They were trying to maybe send the people away. Or they said, oh, we'll go to the shops and, and, do, and buy the bread, Lord. But there are things that you know are too big for us, Lord. Lord, but we, we bring what we have, Lord. Thank you, because we have something, Lord. We have some health. We have some money. We have some friends. We have some hope, Lord. Lord, we have some skills, Lord, but we pray in Jesus' name that you will multiply all this, Lord. And Lord, as you did it with John Wesley, Lord, as you did it with Billy Graham, that he brought millions of people to you, Lord, do it again with us, Lord. And Lord... We want to go back on our knees, Lord. And Lord, I, I just want to encourage each one of us this week that we remind each other to go on our knees. Lord, this is our prayer. And I will, you know, I will say, Eddie, remind me to go on my knees. 
and you know, Charles remind Christy, and Christy reminds Charles, let's remind each other to go back on our knees and we will see it again because Jesus hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.